0: Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz. Happy Thursday. Maybe you listen to it on Friday, then happy Friday. Who, who am I to tell you what day it is? Thank you for stopping by. As always, we're going to preview the DFS slate, mainly DraftKings, only DraftKings, four games ahead of us. We got a featured main slate this time, so not quite as confusing as last week. And as always, we're going to round the episode with some more player prop goodness from the one, the only PFF Zone, Andrew Erickson, the prop prophet himself. Andrew, good week last week. Good week all season, man. How are you?
1: Yeah, it was a a good week. Uh, Jalen Rager coming through with the unders. (laughs) We had a listener chime in on Twitter and say that he hit on a big parlay because we we talked about the Jalen Rager under, and I mean – it's just right now, it's tough out there for Jalen Rager. Not only did the Eagles draft him over Justin Jefferson, who looks like arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL, you know, Rager has less receiving yards than Henry Ruggs this season. Henry Ruggs went to jail in week eight. So it, it's just, it's a it's a mess for Jalen Rager. And I know, Ian, you weighed in on Twitter as well, you know, talking about how you want your cat to be a dog. I mean, and then, were you just watching Cat Dog? I know you talked about the theme song slapping just, <laughs> just like on your mind. Like, where did that come
0: from? I don't know why I had the cat dog uh, <laughs> mindset going on yesterday. I don't know, Andrew. Sometimes, uh, you know, I finish writing. The mind's just a little uh, a little bit out there. I end up just watching YouTube videos of cat dog theme songs and unfortunately putting Mr. <laughs> Rager under the bus. I will say, like, every time Rager makes a bad play, like, people now need to all tweet about Jefferson going ahead of him. It's getting into, like... DK Metcalf, AJ Brown being on the same college team, like, you know, Matthew Stafford, Clayton Kershaw being a little league teammates, Jimmy Graham playing basketball. It's starting to reach that territory, Andrew. So, look, I'm not saying we can't ever mention it again, but, you know, tweeters out there, let's start being a little more creative. Let's see if we can do plays on the joke that we all know is coming each and every time. But. Well, unfortunately, maybe fortunately, not going to be talking about Jalen Rager anymore this season. We got the divisional round ahead of us four games. Make sure you check out Dwayne McFarlane and myself previewing all these in greater detail today. Andrew and I are going to focus more so on the DFS side of things. Andrew will have plenty of prop bets when we finish up. So, Andrew, we can kind of go back to our traditional format this week. Again, main slate, all four games. We don't have to deal with this, you know, three, four different viable slates like we did last week. So with that in mind, let's get started on our cash lineup, just trying to win heads to heads, 50-50s, highest floor possible, don't really care about ownership, not trying to take down a big multi-entry field or anything like that. With that in mind, Andrew, I think Josh Allen does make all the sense in the world to go get a quarterback. He, you know, with all due respect to Mahomes, he really is the only one giving us true dual threat upside as we've talked about. First repeat fantasy overall QB1 since Dante Culpepper got it done in the early 2000s. And for to see him only be 300 more than Patrick Mahomes, I just think it's worth getting up there for. I mean, there's enough questions with Jimmy G, with Tannehill, Stafford, Burrow, even, you know, Brady without the weapons that for me, it's kind of comes down to Rodgers, Mahomes, or John. Josh, when there's only a $500 you know, dollar difference between the three, I'll just take the one with, I think, objectively the highest floor projection, and that is Josh Allen. A little bit difficult to stack him with digs, I think, because we're going to want to get probably Cupper Adams Adams um, instead. And There's not a ton of pump plays this week, uh, but we'll get to that more in a couple minutes. Are you with me, Andrew? That would probably make sense in cash games to so go ahead, get up to Josh Allen this week
1: yeah i could not agree more i think that he has the highest ceiling of any quarterback and the safest floor of any quarterback yeah. because of the rushing that you nice alluded combo. to so again and you didn't technically you don't even need necessarily stack him if you don't figure it out that because a lot of the things he's getting done is on the run you know i just like, can't envision a scenario where he's he's game script proof you know if they get up on the chiefs it's not like he is going to stop scoring fantasy points like they don't like they're not going to rest him or do anything like that. They're going to continue to keep the pedal to the metal, knowing that the Chiefs are on the other side. It's a good matchup for him. You look at the rushing production that he's had over the last seven weeks. He's at 65 rushing yards per game. Again, his his rushing prop, you know, hint hint spoiler, uh, 48 and a half. Uh, yeah, I'm going to taking the over on that. 64, 65 rushing yards per game, nine carries per game in his last seven games so this isn't like something new that he's like oh like playoffs josh allen's gonna start running which we usually see from a lot of quarterbacks like josh allen has been running like the last two months like he's been running around so i don't i don't think that's gonna stop anytime soon
0: most Force missed tackles this year, Josh Allen, by a quarterback of the last five years, other than 2019 Lamar Jackson. He was electric on the ground all year long, continues to do so in the playoffs. Running back is where things get a little more interesting. And I mean, wide receiver, like, look, we have eight good teams left. They're all good offenses. There are viable options all over the damn place. Right now, I'm leaning towards Elijah Mitchell, Cam Akers, maybe Jarek McKinnon if we need to get down there. And that's just more so based on wanting to pay up at wide receiver and just not having really many punt options, I think, out at the wide receiver position here. So as much as, you know, it might be nice to get up to a Joe Mixon or play, you know, the Derrick Henry roulette. I just think I'm going to be paying down a little bit more. Andrew, I know you're interested in Devin Singletary and Leonard Fournette. Won't disagree with you there. But again, I think the kind of moral of the story here is we're probably going to be taking Taking two, if not three, of these running backs priced below six K. Again, it's just gonna be hard to really try to go up and get the receivers we want while also trying to get Mixon Jones or Henry. And I think the floor and ceiling value we're getting with those wide receivers is superior.
1: Yeah, I think you want to definitely not go over like the six K mark with the running backs you play in cash. I mean, Mixon has a really bad matchup. Henry, we like literally don't know like what he's gonna do. Right. Like he is he's the perfect, like and this is like derrick Henry, you know when it's we know that he's gonna be playing it's like if he's really high rostered you usually don't play him in tournaments but then when he's really low and you just play him no matter what like it doesn't it doesn't matter who he's playing Easy game. it just that's how you do it so i know that the early roster roster ship projections have him with some some decent ownership so far so i'll probably end up in being a little bit underweight on derrick henry but that can change on one report that says yep. that He's all he's full go, or he's going to be on a snap share. Like we don't know um, at this time, you know what the updates are. We don't even know if he's going to play. Like, like that's still like also like in the range of outcomes. But Andrew, like, he just, smiled.
0: Like... He smiled in the press conference.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I hope he plays. I, I want to <laughs> see him out there for the the playoffs for sure. But I, for Devin Singletary, I think I think I would not want to stack him with Josh Allen in a tournament setting, but in a cash game where I'm not necessarily looking for the. High tier ceiling outcome with each of my guys. I think that he's okay to actually play with Josh Allen because that's why you're banking the points that Buffalo scores no matter what. Like you have basically all of the rush- rushing touchdown equity between those two players. Singletary is involved in the passing game. He had the highest route participation of any running back during the Wild round. I mean, he's basically you know turning into 2021's version of Leonard Fournette from last year, just like <laughs> totally taking over the the role in the running back. Like they're not using anyone else, and he's been good this year. You know, he's been or. Er, you know, during the last seven weeks, he's been really efficient. You know, getting a lot of the touches, getting the majority of volume in the Bills' backfield. So I'm just trying to bank the volume with Singletary, and same thing with Fournette. You know, he, again, his role, first and expected fantasy points per game since week 10 due to his massive role as a receiver. You know, we have Bernard and. Keyshawn Vaughn kind of also working in that backfield. But I don't know. Like, I think we saw Bernard have a much bigger role last week because there was no Ronald Jones, and they just needed to put someone else there. I think that they're going to turn to Fournette. I'm pretty sure Bruce Arians said last week if Fournette had suited up, he would have taken on his usual workload. So okay. I'm still pretty confident that he's going to still be – I mean, you know, Bruce Arians has a lot of stuff. So maybe I shouldn't really take that he's as He's been good to value. us this year. He's
0: been pretty good to us this year.
1: <laughs> um, with Elijah Mitchell, I know you mentioned him. So you don't have any I guess my only concern with him in cash is, OK, Packers are 14, nothing like is Elijah Mitchell, like catching passes or is it use check or because the, the other thing, too, is like like I almost feel like Debo is like the running back. I want to play from the 49ers because he's actually the game skip proof guy. Like if they're winning, he's going to get like 10 carries. And if they're losing, he'll get 10 targets. So I guess I that's kind of look at the 49ers situation.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you look at Mitchell this season, he's played 12 games. He's had at least 17 carries, not even including the, you know, reception or two he gets per game. And all but two of those, to be fair, one of them was a Trey Lance start. We can throw that out. on the other one. They fell behind, you know, 14 points and he only finished with 13 touches. So it's fair. But I think you could argue Singletary, I think, deserves to probably be above both of them. I would like to see that Arian's quote. I'd like to see if Fournette is gonna be full, full throughout the week. I know we probably won't see it because he's still on the IR and they don't have to, I guess, give us um, the actual practice designation. My consumer Fournette is, I mean, look what happened to his kind of roll the first time they played the Rams. Giovanni Bernard actually had 10 targets, eight catches. This was before Fournette kind of took over as the full featured three down back. But again, with him coming back from injury now, I am a little bit concerned about that as well. So I just think that Mitchell... I feel a little more confident in his touches, but maybe this is a reason to go down, Andrew. Maybe we take Singletary and we go down to a Cam Akers, who was starting to take over towards the end of last week, and even, like, splitting the snaps basically last week. He finished, um, let's see, with, I believe, a 52% snap rate. The guy was still flirting with uh, that 18-touch mark. Yeah, he, ex- he had 18 touches, 53% snaps. Excuse me. So we can get Akers there for a little bit cheaper, seemingly ascending, not descending. Tough matchup, as we know. But, or we just go all the way down to McKinnon at 4800 Like, these are, I think, the main cash viable players. If you guys, you know, disagree and you want to kind of go really far up, okay. But I think, again, you're going to be better off spending that at wide receiver. What do we think about McKinnon? Because, Andrew, like, there aren't many places to save money on this slate. If we want to go up higher, we're going to have to do it somewhere. Jarek okay, we're probably not going to be getting the same sort of touch ceilings as other guys, but you can argue his target ceiling is actually similar, if not higher, than almost anyone else on the slate. Yes, Claude Abreu-Zillaire probably going to be back, but Daryl Williams not practicing with that toe. And even if Daryl is out there, man, it seems like McKinnon's done enough to continue to get five, six targets. And, you know, that goes a long way in a full PPR site like DraftKings.
1: Yeah, and it's also the, the last game on the slate. So you could put in you know Clyde Edwards Hilaire you know something happens it flares up okay then you can move down to Jared McKinnon who now has like this massive role and it's massively under owned because you know this late you know news about Edwards Lair not being full I mean he had a setback last week too you know so it's yeah. no guarantee that he is yeah he's been practicing in full but you know he practiced last week and then he did not practice and then he just missed the game entirely so who knows how healthy he really is? You know, we thought Daryl Williams was healthy. I know he uh, he stole your line saying uh, "Great day to be great," and I think I think that literally fooled everybody into playing him in DFS because I'm like, oh man, he like went with Ian's line. Like this is absolutely <laughs> perfect. The dude that he scores a negative fantasy points. i like, turn over to my girlfriend. I'm like, hey, you scored more points than Daryl Williams today. Good for you. Great, well, great got- day to be great for everybody else. Maybe that's what he meant oh, by no. he's like, everyone else is going to score more fantasy points than I will today.
0: Not a great day to be great for Daryl, <laughs> but I still appreciate the mindset. Remember that, people. It always is a great day to be great. Now, on to wide receiver. Oh, boy. Cooper Cup versus Devontae Adams, Andrew. Both these guys absolutely dominated in their previous matchup against their respective defense. We did see Cooper Cup, you know, dud for him last week. 61 yards and a touchdown, five catches. That's how ridiculous of a season Cups had. At that, it can even be considered a dud. You would like to think against Tampa Bay, they're not going to get away with being able to have that run heavy of a game plan. Maybe the Packers are able to get up on the 49ers. What do you think between Cup and Adams? Who do you want to center around it cash
1: yeah i mean i've thought a lot about this because it's it's really like tough i think it's like a really critical thing because you just hope that they both like score the same amount they both right. put up 25 30 and it's like oh it didn't matter like who you played like we were all good because we, we both know they're obviously both the elite options but chances are you really can only gem in one and you know just looking at the the recent production from these guys like even though cup had a down week last week if you look at the targets over the last three games so he's actually hasn't seen more than seven targets in any of the last three weeks, which is kind of weird because I think we were all just assuming, like, oh, like his player pops that, you know, receiving yards at 100 yards. Like, all right, easy. Like, take the over on Cooper Cup. He's literally hit that number like every single week. <laughs> so I still think that that's factored into his price that, you know, he's just been this automatic every single week play. But, you know, the usage has actually been trending down a little bit over the last couple of weeks. You look at the quarterback, you know, who do you trust more, Matthew Stafford, or Aaron Rodgers? Like, that's easy. Like, you obviously trust Aaron Rodgers way more than you trust Matthew Stafford. You look at the weapons. That are surrounding Devonte Adams versus the weapons that are surrounding Cooper Cup. OBJ is looking dazzling out there, just catching touchdowns left and right. You have Tyler Higby, who leads all tight ends in the playoffs in target share, twenty percent. You know, OBJ's target share is at twenty percent. They have Van Jefferson, who's still involved. So, I really think that you know, I went in kind of thinking, oh, it's going to be Cup, like that's the guy I want. But as I kind of dove deeper in, I was like, I think I actually might. Want Adams here. And I think that the roster chip projections actually reflect Adams is a little bit higher than Cooper Cup. I'm not sure if it's just because of the price point, because Adams is a little bit cheaper, but I just think it, you know, looking at Adams against this defense, he's playing the 49ers cover three. Saw he saw 18 targets against them the last time he played in week three, 30% target share against cover three this season. And I just know what Aaron Rodgers does in the playoffs, and it's throw the ball to Devontae Adams. Like that's just what he does. Whereas Matthew Stafford he played really well last week by not like jamming targets into Cooper Cup like maybe he's starting to feel more confident about these other receivers and it's like no like you don't need to always jam into Cooper Cup like they just want to win the game whereas Rodgers I think that if they are going to play well you know it's going to go to Devonte. so I don't know if I've convinced you Ian I kind of had to try to convince myself because again it is a very tough decision I'm not sure if you lean uh either way if you have a strong take on either
0: I'm leaning Adams as well. Look, I know it's been, uh, you know, making its rounds and social media about, you know, Troy Aikman's quote about, you know, if, if if back in his day, Michael Irvin would have had 10 catches in the first half if, you know, he was getting that sort of coverage. The thing is, though, and I think Seth Galina did a great article on this on PFF.com. The way the 49ers are playing the Cowboys and the way the Cowboys and Dak's progressions kind of go, it was all just inside out. And they were, you know, really going to, it was going to kind of go against Dak's progressions to be uh, going kind of the outside formation like that. And CeeDee Lamb, I mean, he was their normal slot receiver when each of Gallup and Cooper were healthy. But over the last two weeks combined, only seven total snaps in the slot. Devontae Adams, man, they use them all over the place. I mean, you go back to that week three game against this defense, 19 snaps, 19 snaps in the slot 37 out wide he surpassed 20 snaps and slide inside on plenty of occasions it's Devonte freaking adams they do everything they can to get him the ball better than any wide receiver i think in the game and it's just inevitable man i don't think there was a better example of him being unstoppable than in week three when freaking jimmy g throws the go-ahead touchdown with like a minute left everybody in the stadium knows the ball is going to Devontae. what happens he catches two passes and puts them in position to win the game so i too lean adams just you know it's only a hundred dollar difference you can pick either one if you're going to get up there you know we're certainly not going to call you an idiot if you want to go a cup instead of adams you know we are picking between a freaking you know Maserati and a Lamborghini whatever the <laughs> hell uh, example you want to make here. I do think it's Adams. And just uh, by the way, because last week, you know, we had to talk about weather in every single one of these. Looks like all four games are going to be OK. It's going to be especially cold in Green Bay, but the wind and precipitation, the stuff that we usually worry more about is all expected to be fine. So leaning Devontae Adams after that, Andrew, right now in my cash build, I have Gabriel Davis at 4.6K. We are seeing him even with Emmanuel Sanders back continue to be featured you know, just not as a bench guy at a minimum, and it's just going to be really tough to stack Allen with Stefan Diggs and then T. Higgins at 5700 just seems way too cheap and to uh, uh credit, only two other times this year has Higgins actually finished with fewer than five targets. The rebounds from those performances, six catches, 114 yards and a tutty on eight targets and then the absolute explosion, 12 catches, 194 yards and a pair of touchdowns on 13 targets. So not saying Jamar Chase is going to be a just so they can get Higgins involved. I get it last game of the year, but 5,700 for someone that we know has the exact same upside pretty much as Jamar Chase or at least in the same ballpark. Uh, I think that's just too cheap to get around to. But honestly, Andrew, like you can go through, literally go down from the top. Cup, Adams, Debo, Jamar, Evans, Tyreek, Diggs, AJB, Higgins. Beckham, Ayuk, now we're under 5K. We can sit here and talk through a scenario where all those guys have a good game. Like this wide receiver crew that's left in the playoffs, absolutely loaded. And I am trying to squeeze in AJB, I think, in that flex spot if possible. So that's going to evolve around, you know, really punting at tight end, which we'll get to in a minute. What are you thinking here, I guess, with the complimentary receivers aside from Devontae?
1: yeah i think that it's important you look at some of the roster ship projections and you know look at the guys that are projected to be more heavily rostered like because like you made the the claim that you can make an argument for a lot of these guys because again like there are no bad teams playing this week like they're all good teams and good players so i think that just kind of honing in on roster ship projections really does help you make these critical decisions in cash you play the guy that's more popular that way if they go off you're not getting buried but if you you know if the random five percent guy goes off, it doesn't matter because like nobody played him in cash. Um, but in tournaments, you obviously want to have the reverse mindset because it's really it's like you don't need to play bad players here. Uh, but guys will just be under roster just due to the fact that there are only so many plays that you can make. I think one receiver that deserves mentioning here as a pay down option: uh, Byron Pringle. Um, I know we talked about liking Josh Allen, so he's a much cheaper than any other Chiefs player. I know that the Chiefs are coming in pretty cheap. I mean, Tyree Hill at six point six k. I was like, I had to do a double take. And like, <laughs> I, has he ever been that cheap? Like, ever? <laughs> like, I was just like, damn. Yeah, but then we look at Hill's numbers. Like, he has been just like so bad. Like, he has had that one like thirty-five point game a couple weeks ago, but he's forty-fifth in expected fantasy points per game over the last six weeks. Like, he's just been Ooh. doing nothing. I know he's been dealing with some injuries here and there, but. You know, Byron Pringle leads the Chiefs in routes run, target share, and air yard share over the last four weeks. Like It's really weird to say that Confusing. in a Chiefs offense, but Pringle clearly has the trust of Mahomes and the Chiefs coaching staff. Like He's not in some type of gadgety role like McCole hardman who would just randomly see spikes in routes running like he McCole hardman is so random at this production and he really needs terry kill to like not play at all for us to really get his ceiling and that's not even a guarantee because we've seen plenty of times where hill doesn't play or is limited and McCole hardman actually does nothing just the most in case hardman happened to be really involved in that game so pringle caught two touchdowns last week against the pittsburgh steelers and i mean he's the clear-cut number two re- regardless of wherever this offense goes so I think Byron Pringle makes a ton of sense, especially with. I mean, you know the Bills like they're going to really focus on on Tyree Hill, like trying to not let him beat them. I don't. I don't think Pringle going to necessarily be someone that they try to really hone in on, and I think that he's going to be involved. So I think Pringle 4,200 is, is probably the I'll go at receiver that I can feel like pretty good about. I mean McKenzie, like yes, he's playing a little bit over Cole Beasley. Could that change? Yes, and know how high is his ceiling with beasley still playing and emmanuel Sanders still playing like if these guys were out entirely be okay like wheels up but because they are playing it's still like mackenzie he's still playing less than 50 percent of the snaps even though he is playing more it's probably still not enough so he's probably a guy for tournaments. same thing with like tyler johnson juan jennings like yes they're like number three receivers but it's like they've been like that all year and they just haven't like they don't have any ceilings um as well kind of too uh are a little bit afraid of so uh that's kind of my spiel on i like pringle
0: to your previous point, I mean, looking at our ownership projections, which you can find on pff.com/dfs/ownership. You know, the highest owned wide receiver projected is AJ Brown. Then we got Tyreek, Devontae, Cup, Higgins, as we brought up, Diggs, Evans, Debo, Chase, all these high priced guys. The premier low priced, high owned wide receiver, Byron Pringle. I do think 4,200 does help you a lot in your lineup. What if, though, Andrew, because, you know, looking at the injuries, there's not a ton to keep an eye on for the Chiefs. We're going to want to monitor Daryl Williams, Claude Clyde in that backfield. Um, Over in Cincy and Tennessee, we're pretty much clear. Over in L.A., you know, make sure Andrew Whitworth is going to be okay. There's some small things going on in Tampa Bay as well with Brashad Perryman and Cyril Grayson. But I think maybe the biggest Potential edge we could get here it comes down to Green Bay. Marquez Valdes-Scantling was limited on Tuesday with a back issue, downgraded to a DMP on Wednesday, and we have Randall Cobb coming back this week off of IR at just thirty-one hundred. Andrew, if we lose MVS. Cobb is the cheapest punt we can go. Who knows what his you know exact role is going to be? If MVS is out there, I'd be terrified he's going to be like nothing more than <laughs> the clear-cut number four guy. But if you go back the last time, even all four of these guys were healthy, it was that Seattle game, and they basically it was Adams clear-cut number one, and each of Lazard, MVS, and Cobb were playing between you know, I think it was fifty-eight and like sixty-seven percent of the snaps. So, I guess the question is like, and this this will, this will take us right into tight end if we want. We know that there's going to be one spot in this cash lineup that we don't feel good about. It's either going to be paying down a tight end to like CJ Uzama, or it's going to be going dumpster diving all the way down to Randall Cobb. Which one do you think you are more willing to do? You know, pay down to a Cobb, to a Byron Pringle, or pay down a tight end? Because, man, I love the tight ends out here. The problem is, everyone we just talked about that we want to prioritize, it's going to be awfully hard to really get up to them. And, you know, we basically have to go, you know, Higby or Dawson Knox, like that's the highest that we can go if we don't want to go all the way down to Yazoma and again keep all these other guys we just talked about.
1: Well, I mean, if we have like a bunch of injuries with the Packers, I mean, I would even think that I'd probably play Azuma, he'd probably be the guy I would look toward. I mean, 3,400. I mean, he's still super involved, they don't have any other tight ends that they use in the Bengals offense. I know the matchup is brutal. Uh, The Titans have been really, really good against tight ends this year, even against, you know, the elite tight ends when they face guys like George Kittle, when they face guys like Travis Kelsey, they've kind of kept them in check. But you're not playing Zoma because you think that he has a ceiling like he did last week. You know, that was a really good matchup against the Raiders, one of the worst teams against tight ends. So I don't think we're going to get a repeat performance, but you're just hoping he catches a touchdown. And with that same mindset, I honestly don't even think that if you have MVS ruled out okay that's another receiver you're moving from the equation you know what is Randall Cobb's role going to be don't know how much he's going to play so i think lazard makes a lot of sense at 4400 he's still like really cheap so he's still but he's not as cheap as some of these other guys so i mean josea deguara is at 3k and he's been the routes run savant in green bay since um robert tanya went down in week eight so degora is an interesting guy if you really want to punt i mean he's 3k and i'm not i'm not <laughs> playing ferkser over degora <laughs> like come on like i'm not going down this and anth- we'll get to ferkser later in the underovers with the props but um yeah i mean degora would probably be the guy i would look at
0: ferkser every time i hear the name i just think of all those poor poor best ball teams i will never <laughs> ever see the light of the day okay um defense are we just taking the cheapest the 49ers
1: I mean, no. I mean, like, Rodgers doesn't throw picks. Like, that's the issue with Aaron Rodgers. Like, yeah. he doesn't – like, he's the one quarterback that doesn't take sacks and doesn't throw, like, interceptions. interception. So, like, I really think the 49ers could get zero points. And and I get, like, it's a punt. I, I think that we can find way – I mean, I think that the – I'd honestly rather just play, like, the Bills and hope that, okay, are playing in a shootout environment. They're a real-life good defense. Yeah. And Mahomes, you know, top ten at in interceptions. 49ers are in in
0: real-life good, though.
1: That's fair, but let's see if Nick Bosa, Uh they have the other injury to the other linebacker. And, From, I mean, yeah. I think it's really just, it's about Rodgers. Like Tannehill, so also looking at the Bengals defense at 2700, like Tannehill and Patrick Mahomes. So Tannehill ha- was second in the NFL in sacks this year. So you know that he will take sacks and he yeah. was top 10 in interceptions and turnover-worthy plays. So you know that there is a turnover-based type of floor, sack floor with Ryan Tannehill, quarterback. Same thing with Mahomes, not as much, which is obviously why the Price is a little bit cheaper, but I think the Bills defense is better than the Titans defense. So I, I'm trying to get up to Bengals at 2,700 or the Bills at 26. Do you don't want to play 49ers.
0: Do you see how lazily they priced this? They just literally went $100 increase for every single defense. It's because they're all good defenses. <laughs> like, it's that's like, the thing.
1: It's like, that's why it's like you really need to look at the projections because it's like you can find a good guy that's like, you know, AJ Brown versus Jamar Chase. Like, AJ Brown is like triple the roster ship that Chase is, yeah. but it's like, I mean, there's there's not like a three times you know outcome <laughs> where we see AJ Brown you know three times is more often going to outscore Jamar Chase like that's it's probably more like 50 50 but that's not how it's reflected in how people are kind of viewing the players.
0: We just got some word that Trey Hendrickson is expected to suit up, obviously huge for the Bengals pass rush. If you have the 200 bucks to spare, go ahead and get up to Cincy. If it's going to completely break your lineup and you know all your hopes and dreams, I do think the 49ers are okay at 2500 Keep an eye on Fred Warner, but he did practice in full. Nick Bosa went from a DMP to a limited. And the one stat I haven't thrown around, Aaron Rodgers, your third most sensitive quarterback this year to pressure. To Andrew's point, you know even when he does get pressure, he's not the type that's going to be fumbling and throwing interceptions and giving you those types of plays. But it is a good defense, just like every other one left in the NFL right now. Gotta love that. Okay, that's gonna basically sum up the cash game. Just to quickly kind of recap, Andrew and I both leaning towards Josh Allen as our quarterback. At running back, you know this is the week that we're probably want to pay down a little bit when possible. Just want to be able to get up a wide receiver. So Devin Singletary seems like the front runner. After that, you know Elijah Mitchell versus Leonard Fournette's an interesting discussion. Cam Akers is viable. Might be best just to go all the way down to Jarek McKinnon, though at 4,800 wide receiver. Andrew and I are team Devonte Adams over Cooper Cup. Hopefully. That's Those are not famous last words. Uh, T Higgins at 5,700, just way too cheap. Also love, love, love AJB at 6,200 and as does everyone else, just one of these guys where ownership is high enough, player's good enough, value's good enough. Just want to go ahead and lock them in. And then with your kind of final flex spot, it does probably make sense to pay down to one of Byron Pringle. And if you're really feeling crazy and MVS is out, I think Randall Cobb at 3,100 does give you some nice flexibility. We just talked about defense and ideally get an extra couple hundred dollars to get the Bengals going against the titans and then tight end cj uzama is your pay down option no i'm not going with josiah Degura. uh andrew i know you love your 3k or lower tight ends but i just think that you know uzama at just thirty four hundred is going to be worth it if you aren't able to pay up and go get some of the you know higher end ballers on the pricing scale On to GPPs. Now we're trying to win a million. We were trying to quit those day jobs. And to do that, we got to try to beat out hundreds of thousands of other people trying to do the exact same thing. So time to get a little contrarian, get a little different to go get that big money. I love Matthew Stafford with... We'll go Cooper Cup here, and then one of OBJ and Van. Man, we know Cup. Maybe he will. You know, if he does get a little bit reduced ownership because it's going to be tough to do the Adams and Cup. Maybe that's another strategy, man. Actually, put Cup and Adams in the same lineup and freaking pray that the three K wide receivers you got to put in the rest of it uh, can actually do something. But I just think this really sets up well for Stafford, and he kind of is coming in. Not that you know quarterback ownership is something we need to really worry about, but seeing him at 6,200, man, like over a thousand less than, uh, you know, Mahomes and Allen and those other guys. We know Stafford at his best can be as productive as them. We saw that in the first matchup against the Buccaneers when we went for over 304 tutties. Stafford this year against the Blitz, which the Buccaneers do thats the second highest rate in the league. 14 touchdowns, just one pick. Third highest PFF passing grade. So I think this Rams offense matches up really well against Tampa. I know their cornerbacks are getting healthy, but, you know, you start to look a little bit at these offenses. I think Tampa, Tampa and Buffalo, man, if you just want to look at the quarterbacks they face this year i think you'll be a little bit more underwhelmed by some of those pass defense metrics so staff it with those guys i think makes some sense what about our boy your boy i don't know why i said our boy but tom brady andrew because yeah goblin ab there we saw the low a dot last week you know didn't seem like the usual explosive passing game but it's still, Tom Brady, we know the ball's going to Evans. We know the ball is going to Gronk. And man, if they get behind like what I'm talking about, all of a sudden, it's going to be hard for Brady not to drop back 40, 50 times. Maybe this is the week where we can actually get somewhat contrarian by playing the greatest freaking player of all time.
1: Yeah, I think I've played Brady in tournaments more than any other quarterback this year. And it's been it's been a pretty profitable strategy because it's not, we don't need to get super weird with who he's throwing the ball to. Like, that's part of the reason why it's important to look at not only the quarterback you're playing, but you know, look at who you're going to stack him with in these tournaments. So again, you're looking at the price. Oh, this quarterback is more expensive than this quarterback. Well, then what are they like how much does it cost to play Brady with Gronk and Evans? Like that's what you want to look at the cumulative salary of these players and even the cumulative roster ship to kind of see like how contrarian is the Brady Evans Gronk stack versus, you know, the Stafford Cup, you know, OBJ stack, like looking things like that. So really kind of putting more emphasis on who you're playing alongside. I mean, Brady, he threw for 400 yards the last time he played the Rams in a game that they lost. I mean, Brady hasn't played, I feel like a competitive game in like the last month, you know, besides like there hasn't been another team that's been able to go toe to toe with them. I mean, against the Eagles last week, like he really didn't have to do that much. Like we were just like praying that he would just get more yards, and we were talking about your parlay. It's like you just needed if, if the Eagles had just like could do like something on offense, like all the overs for the Bucs would have all hit. Like they would have all hit because the Buccaneers would have to continue to keep throwing the ball, but they didn't have to because the Eagles literally couldn't do anything on offense. So Rams fourth in most completions allowed to opposing quarterbacks, which I think is really key because especially in drafting these PPR scoring, you get you're getting points every time Brady completes a pass if you have one of those receivers on your yeah. team. So I, I just think that the Rams, the way that the Rams design their defense, it really is very, works really well for, I think, Tom Brady as a DFS stack, especially on uh, DraftKings.
0: Also worth noting, Joey Burrow, Jamar Chase, maybe just going with Tyler Boyd, who has scored in four straight games instead of T. Higgins, not the worst strategy in the world. Looking at some running backs now, look, man, we've kind of said this throughout the year. What's an easy strategy running back and wide receiver for tournaments? Do the opposite of what's easy because that's the roster construction that is going to lead to the highest ownership. So we talked about all the sub-6K running backs that are easy to fit in your lineup, and then we can go and get to Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams of the world so go get Joe Mixon Aaron Jones Derrick Henry these guys that are going to be priced up and a little more difficult to get into the lineups I do I, I do kind of agree to those with, though, with uh, Henry though Andrew I think there's enough concern about the workload and seeing his ownership as high projected as it is already I'll probably be underweight on Henry but I do think Aaron Jones and Joe Mixon uh, can be helping out there and then just you know consider going to the second guy in the most chalky backfield so uh you know looking at Jarek McKinnon hey maybe it's Clyde over. It's hilarious. He gets the short yardage, not a short joke, just, you know, a real fact that might be happening there. He gets the goal line touches and, you know, falls into the end zone a couple of times. Maybe Cam Akers takeover isn't happening. Maybe it's still split between him and Sony Michel and Sony Michel is going to be sub 5% owned. Giovanni Bernard, look what happened the last time the Buccaneers faced the Rams. Gio had 10 targets and actually was the pass down back. Maybe Lenny is not 100%. Can also look at Dontrell Hilliard instead of Derrick Henry for some of those very same reasons. So, again, Again, these are tournaments. I fully understand why the four other running backs that are higher projected owned should be higher projected owned, but we're betting on some crazy shit to happen. Just realize, you know, these guys—Ch, Sony, Gio, Doncho Hoyer—they should be, I think, projected at a minimum, you know, eight to ten combined carries and targets. Maybe like a little bit less for Geo. and. You know, in the NFL, stranger things can happen when you are a good player and you're getting that sort of workload. So I would say, you know, really, again, try to get one of Jones or Mixon if you're able to find, you know, the salary savers, and then don't be afraid to go really cheap um, against, basically just fade that whole like 5K range is, I think, the moral of the story here. Andrew, I know you have uh, some similar thoughts, but maybe we don't need to fade the entire 5K range if we start seeing some of the ownership get splattered around. I know right now it's looking like Fournette and Singletary could be, you know, the apple of everyone's eye maybe just maybe then we can actually go with the cam acres and elijah mitchell and not have to face you know 30 40 percent ownership with it
1: yeah i think that i think that there's the fact that michelle is still like involved enough i mean you, you talked about the snap share i mean it was pretty much 50 50 you have acres at 52 percent and michelle right around you know that 40 percent range so it's not like acres like totally supplanted sony michelle and i think that it would be very very shocking if we saw michelle like not play or just like basically just become irrelevant. Now I I think that the lean and and how they've used acres last two weeks, especially as a receiver, you know, not even just like a receiver out of the backfield, like legit, like running routes down the field. I mean, the guy had like 50 air yards last week, which is just absurd for a running back that you never see that usually air yards are like negative for, for most running backs, but acres was actually being used downfield. And how do you beat this bucks defense, not running it up between the middle um, between the tackles, you know, they, they stop that every single time of the week. They allow the second-most receptions to running backs during the regular season. So that's why I like Akers more than Michelle. Again, Michelle could be the guy that's, that scores the rushing touchdown. It's totally still in play. But if this game script goes the way I want it, I want the Buccaneers to be ahead, and I want the Rams having to push the pace. Because if the reverse happens, like we've seen this before, the Rams like don't mind trying to slow the game down and using their running backs we saw it against Arizona like they were just running they were fine just like let's just run the ball the rest of the game like they didn't need to push it with their team and honestly it makes sense like why would we want to put Matthew Stafford in a position where he can throw more interceptions like, like we just like don't want that to happen like let's run the ball and they did that against Tampa Bay when they faced them earlier the season Sony Michelle had over 20 carries in that game and it was like whoa like Sony Michelle like 20 carries against the Bucks like what's going on here and it's because they were winning that game so I do think that the way that this game hits its top tier ceiling is that type of game script where the Buccaneers are playing with a lead. They're always going to be throwing no matter what. And then the Rams have to catch up. And in that scenario, I think we're going to see more of Cam Akers. And that's really where you get a lot of these ceiling games from running backs is when they get involved more in the receiving game. So um, it also works off potentially chalkier Cooper cup, you know, if Cam Akers is using. So I think that makes a lot of sense too. When you're looking at, if you're not going to play cup You don't want to totally fade the Rams offense because they are in a good spot in a, you know, a very high projected total game. Cam Akers can potentially be the guy you look for uh, for the Rams.
0: Looking at some wide receiver goodness now mentioned before, pretty, you know, can be an easy game in tournaments. Just don't exactly play the highest projected guys and you're going to have an easy chance to leverage yourself from the rest of the field. But maybe you do actually find a way to differentiate that lineup by really, really paying up and getting more than one of those top guys. Just realize the rest of your lineup, you're really going to have to hit on those. Otherwise, things are going to get ugly fast. But we did get an update on this Packers receiving core. MVS once again, sidelined for practice on Thursday. So again, he started the week off with a limited back-to-back DMPs. It's going to make Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard that much more enticing for cash and tournament games alike. Um, I think the Kansas City receivers, you know, again, it's a tough guess and i would lean towards pringle and cash for sure but between pringle hardman robinson man a lot, lot of weeks one of those guys is going off and the fact that we can get all of them for 4200 or cheaper i just think you know they're worthwhile darts to be sprinkling throughout the lineup and then also man julio jones at just 4700 you were saying has tyree kill ever been cheaper has julio jones ever been cheaper than 4700 that is absolutely bonkers for the man i understand he has not been the julio jones you know of old but with that said, he's still the number two receiver in a game that we're expecting gonna happen. Like, if it's not gonna be a shoot, if it's not gonna be a shootout, to go really poorly for the Titans, let's put it that way. And I think it's been a little bit overstated how bad Julio's been. Small sample this year, but the guy is still. A top 30 receiver. No, he's not the top freaking five world beater that we were used to for the past decade. We're still talking about someone that 26 among 96 wide receivers in yards per reception. His PFF receiving grade tie with Amari Cooper ahead of guys like Adam Thielen and Mike Evans. Yards per out run, 1.76, the exact same as DeAndre Hopkins. So I understand Julio was not the same guy this year as he was in the past. That doesn't mean he's not capable of scoring a touchdown like he did last week, like he should have done against the Seahawks all the way back in week two if the refs had freaking eyes i'm still upset about that and hey man this could be a situation where burrow and company get up and actually force Tannehill and company to throw the ball which as we've talked about when they have all these weapons tanny is a little bit better um than he, i think we saw for most of the second half of the year so if you want to go with a tanny julio ajb stack you know it's burned us 18 straight weeks andrew but maybe just maybe they've been waiting for the playoffs to give us that big time boom so i do like julio at the that 4700 spot uh where are you thinking about paying up here because again to me it's kind of like the running back uh 5k range where i'm i'm not against any of these guys priced above 5k i just kind of want to wait for the projected ownership to settle a little bit and then once we find out who's the uh, you know cheaper and less chalky guys that's when we pounce
1: yeah, man, that breakdown of Julio is just so spot on because he literally just fits the mold of a perfect tournament quarter, uh, wide receiver because you Let's look go. at his teammate, you know, everyone's going to play A.J. Brown, so you just play the other guy. It's Julio that, week, Andrew. I Let's mean, go. Th- there have been much worse dusty wide receivers you could have played that were under-owned than Julio Jones. I think that is a good point. It's coming off a bye week. Should be healthy. Should be fully rested. So, yeah, probably have to head up playing some Julio Jones. And the good thing is, too, is you're going to know, you know, that it's the Titans playing the first game. So if you play Julio and he just does nothing, okay, well then you can adjust your lineup based on that. But if he goes off, you can just like chalk up, chalkify the rest of your team and you're good to go. I
0: I I thought you were going to say, if he does nothing, you can just, you know, you can relax. The lineups are dead. You're done.
1: You can can just kind of take the the rest of the weekend off. So I I think that is a good call there for Julio Jones. Um, So we talked about T Higgins being the most popular Bengals wide receiver, but I mean, the way that just watching that game, uh, with Jamar Chase, I mean, they were just force feeding him. Like I, they, I put the, I had the under on Jamar chase at like five or seven. And he has like three on the first drive. I'm like, Oh my God, like, this is going to be terrible for me. It's like every time they like, they like the camera panned him. It was like some cornerback that I've never heard of. Like Desmond Trufant <laughs> is like, you know, he's like seven yards back. Just trying to not get absolutely cooked by Jamar chase. I'm like, dude, like no one can stop him right now. So Jamar chase 35% target share, went over 110 receiving yards for the third straight game, not including week 18 when the Bengals rested their starters. I mean, the Titans, second most receiving yards allowed per game to wide receivers. You know, his prop receiving line was at 69 and a half, you know, earlier in the week, which was just laughable. Uh, 30% target share over the past three starts. And if you look at the Titans' defense, they're a pass funnel defense. Second fewest rushing yards allowed per game. I think the Bengals are going to have to attack through the air. And that's what the Bengals have done when they face defenses like the Titans, where they know they have a strong run defense. So the Bengals like, all right, fine. We'll just throw like the Zach Taylor and company have done a really good job this year of identifying the weakness of the defensive opponent and really exploiting it, whether it be through Joe Mixon against bad run defenses, whether it be through the passing game against bad pass defenses like the Tennessee Titans. So I think that Jamar chase again, if he's just going to be under rostered, I mean, yeah i'm just gonna play jamar chase hot take
0: (laughs) jamar chase good at football that's the sort of (laughs) stuff you can learn here on the pff fantasy football podcast close things out here with a look at some of the tight ends Andrew, i'm surprised you didn't come to me with Cam cambray as our uh cost saving tight end 2700 three plus targets in 12 of his last 13 games a little more two tight end stuff from the bucks just not enough upside
1: not for me no it's gonna be no for me
0: dog we be nice if we had, I don't know, one game with more than 35 yards uh, this year. So probably not, but I would, if I can't sell Andrew on a tight end under 3K, like that's when I know it's like, I right, in time to get off. It's another week and we said it, you know, uh, last week as well, but this is a week where if you can go two tight ends as well, I think it's just an easy way to differentiate the lineup in tournaments. I would say George Kittle is someone to consider. I mean, I, I thought he could go off last week as well. And, When he didn't, my first thought was like, okay, they must be using him to block more often. We saw that kind of rear its head in 2019 where Jimmy G didn't have that many dropbacks uh, to begin with. And then even when he did, you had to wonder if Kittle was going to be staying in there to help pass protect. Because let's face it, the guy's an incredible blocker. Uh, They're going to use him accordingly. But just 5,300 for, in my opinion, the best tight end in the game. This is always a problem with actually getting him. The amount of targets he, uh, you know, a person of his talent you would say deserves, but with Kittle, man, he was running around on 24 of Jimmy G's 25 dropbacks last week, so we know this dude has slate breaking potential, just $5,300 is awfully cheap, so if I am going to really have a, you know, a pay-up tight end in tournaments that I'm really going to focus on, I would say it's Kittle, but once again, man, Kelsey, Gronk, Kittle, Knox, Hisby, Uzama, you can literally take any of those guys, put both of them in your lineup, and I think that's an easy way in tournaments to construct that roster because yeah you know I think you know on, on some of these shows and you're more hardcore players I think that I think they're more willing to do the two tight end builds but in general I just think it's something that people are really afraid of and don't even really consider it uh, throughout the week I mean look season-long players like putting a tight another tight end in your flex like I just don't even know if that's something that crosses the mind of uh, more guys than not so two tight ends again if you are going to pay up a little bit I like Kittle at that reduced price versus Gronk and Kelsey Andrew, what say you? I know you're also a fan of Kittle. And hey, maybe uh, Tom Brady's number one receiver that isn't getting shadowed by Jalen Ramsey. Maybe he could have a good game.
1: Yeah, I mean, Gronk had a, you know, kind of an outlier performance last week. He only had six, he caught five, six targets for 31 yards and he caught a touchdown. But basically since week 11, there's only been two games where Gronk has not had at least eight targets. So I expect, you know, last time he had a down game, it was the first game that Chris Goblin got hurt, I believe in. And, you know, he just had this weird game where he like he had seven targets and caught like one pass, you know, he bounced back the next week. And I expect Gronk to bounce back this week. You look, at the Rams defense 12th and targets allowed to tight ends. Again, like I mentioned before, the Rams just give up a lot of completions. Like they, that's what their defense does. Like they're, they're not trying to, you know, stop you from completing a pass. They just want you to dink and dunk the ball down the field, which Brady is more than happy to do. So it's like, yeah, like give me the PPR points with Brady um and, and completing all these passes whether it's to his receivers or to Rob Gronkowski or to the running backs like all i think all these guys are going to be up you know in the five six seven catch range um when it's all said and done so i think rob Gronkowski makes sense george kittle i mean dude like eight percent target share last week like what the hell man like after he saw 21 percent in week 18 we're like all right he's got the peripherals like this should be good no the yards weren't there but you know it should be coming and then just like absolutely nothing i mean I had a couple good lineups last week too with Kittle on the flex i'm like all right here we go and She's like, it just never transpired. I'm like, where is he? I know I'm watching the Nickelodeon <laughs> broadcast. Is this the wrong broadcast? Is George Kittle not doing anything on this particular broadcast? Do I need to switch over to CBS. What is going on? But you look at the 49ers, their defense allowed the sixth highest passer rating on targets to tight ends this season. He got seven to nine passes for 92 yards the last time he faced the Packers. I mean, like his price is the same as Brandon Ayuk. Like, basically, he's $100 more. And it's like, who would you rather play, George Kittle or Brandon Ayuk? I think you'd probably rather play George Kittle, even though Ayuk has been seeing a decent amount of targets in this offense. I think eventually, I mean, eventually the targets have to regress positively for George Kittle. Like, we've seen him too often lead this team as the number one receiver in the passing game. So, like, Debo's role kind of, like, in and out, it's, like, seemingly impossible to try to project, like, what he's going to do on a weekly basis because he's either rushing or, you know, catching passes out of the backfield, just doing – A a vast assortment of things. Tyler Higby, I mentioned earlier as a cash game, 20% target share over the last four games. Like that's the highest of any of the remaining tight ends. And, you know, he's someone, again, you can look at as just look at him as like a wide receiver. He's 4K and he has a 20% target share. Like that's really good for someone of his player. And I think the other thing, too, that's important to just talk about with tight ends is. However, you can, you know, if you are game stacking a game, you're obviously stacking your quarterback. Like you want to include the tight end into that stack because a lot of times the tight end, it's just, did you score? Did you not score a touchdown or did you like, that's what you're really looking for for the tight end. And when you're looking for winning stacks, they usually are correlated to tight end production. So, or w- with touchdowns. So anytime, if that, if that's how you kind of figure out how you can play a tight end, that's what I would do, you know, try to figure it incorporate it into your stack. Um, As kind of a way to figure out which tight end you should play,
0: favorite GPP defense. Andrew on our handy dandy notes here you have the Buffalo Bills last time they faced the Kansas City Chiefs they racked up 15 DraftKings points yes Patrick Mahomes you know didn't have the worst day ever on the stat sheet but as we've seen sometimes things go a little bit south for the Chiefs offense he will press take a sack here throw a pick there it does seem like the Buffalo Bills who again like you'll be hard pressed to find any past defense metrics that don't paint them as a the number one defense in the league seeing them as the second cheapest on the slate I No Mahomes and company are scary, but we've seen numerous instances this year of them being held in check, including by this very defense.
1: Yeah. I think that Buffalo, they're cheap enough and because they play the last game. You're gonna probably already know what your fate is at this point, so it doesn't even really necessarily matter what the Bills defense ends up doing because it's like, oh, if the Bills defense gets me 30 points, like okay, then I'll you know min cash with my lineup, and if not, then you know how your day's gonna be settled. So yeah, I think that they just make the most sense, and chances are, hopefully, you're you know up in, in a a big GPP tournament, and you just have the Bills defense you're like, All right, Bills defense just don't get me negative points, and we'll be good to go.
0: <laughs> First or last, everyone, that's the strategy here. As Ricky, as a great. Ricky Bobby once said all right enough of that Andrew the main event time to hit some props you have not one not two not three not four not five but six of them for the people let's hear it
1: yeah so I mentioned this one I foreshadowed it a little bit earlier when we were talking about Josh Allen so he's averaging 65 rushing yards per game over his last seven his current line is at 48 and a half rushing yards so I'm going to take the over on Josh Allen rushing yards Elijah Mitchell 71 and a half rushing yards. I'm going to go over on that. You look at the Green Bay Packers run defense. They 23rd yards like,
0: before contact per carry and 30th in an explosive run play radar allowed. Perfect. This is exactly. <laughs> Ian
1: stole the words right out of my mouth. And the way that you look at it, you know, carry totals, Elijah Mitchell, 27, 21, 21, 22, 27, 27. In his past six starts. He's cleared 71 and a half rushing yards in five of those contests. So look, there's always a the concern. Oh, if they fall behind, like, will they run the ball? It's like, I mean if there's any team that's going to run the ball like down 21 nothing it's the 49ers like they like they're going to try to establish the run like as best they can as humanly as possible especially now that you have Jimmy Garoppolo who's got this thumb injury he's got some shoulder sprain they're playing in like zero degree weather it's going to be cold out there I can't really imagine that they're going to want him dropping back 40 times a throw so I think they're going to try to establish the run and that's going to be with Elijah Mitchell so I think 71 and a half rushing yards is an easy over for him Aaron Jones so this one I'm going under on so he's at 48 and a half rushing yards. And really it's because he's been splitting carries with AJ Dillon since week 12. And it's yeah. actually been AJ Dillon's been getting the majority of carries in the green Bay Packers backfield. So he's at 65 to 48 in favor of AJ Dillon since week 12, it's about 13 to 9.6 average per game. And really you're playing Aaron Jones in DFS because of the receiving, like that's where you want to get the bread and butter from Aaron Jones. But the 49ers run defense has been really, really good. Basically since week 10, no running back has rushed for over 47 yards against them. Dallas rushed for just 45 yards and 16 rushing attempts last week between Zeke and Tony Pollard. Yes, Aaron Jones is way more efficient than Ezekiel Elliott is, but how many carries will he get? Like that's kind of the bet I'm trying to make here. AJ Dillon, I think will probably lead the team in carries. So AJ Aaron Jones will have to average his, you know, nine point yards per carry, (laughs) which he can always do, but I'm going to bet on AJ Dillon seeing more work as a rusher. Jamar chase Joe burrow chase is at 72 and a half Joe burrows at 265 and a half passing yards like this line has moved a lot I think it opened at 69 and a half um, price picks and then over on underdog is at like 90 so like that's something you always want to take advantage of if you're looking at multiple spots like alright so I'm going to take the over where it's really really low and take the under where, where it's really really high like, and then that way you can double dip. You can potentially win both bets uh, based on how the player ends up performing. If He, you know, gets you into that nice middle range. But I just thought it was too low for chase at 72 and a half. I talked about him. Why I like him a lot in this matchup against the Titans who have a lot of the second most wide uh, receiving arts to wide receivers this season. Again, the Raiders were a team that was that was supposed to stop explosive wide receivers. They did not do that. The Titans have not been a team that's stopped anything through the air this season. <laughs> so I think that Jamar Chase, over 72 and a half, I think that's a good line you want to get. It. Anywhere you can get it, probably under like 80, I think is appropriate. Because like I said, like it's I've seen books where it was at 90. Like yeah. It's been that high because he just is that type of player that can just put up these massive game totals. And like I said, 110 receiving yards in his last three starts. Ryan Tannehill under 235 and a half passing yards. Again, if Derrick Henry comes back, I'm concerned about how much they'll throw. Tannehill has not hit this mark very often this season. I know he's got A.J. Brown and Julio Jones back in the lineup, but it's still a team that wants to run the football, whether Derrick Henry's back or not. I think that's kind of the way that they want to do. So Tannehill under 235 and a half passing yards. And then tight end special of the week. Jeff Swaim under two receptions. So yeah. this guy ran. <laughs> this guy ran a route on 23% of the dropbacks in Week 18 in a post Michael Pruitt Titans offense. So basically, we have like a two tight end committee between Jeff Swaim and Anthony Furkser. and the Lions basically have no idea what they're doing with these two guys because <laughs> you have. Firks are with the more the higher receiving yards prop, but you have Jeff Swaim with the higher reception yards prop. So they're looking at you know Anthony Ferkser as this dynamic George Kittle esque player, where Jeff Swaim is falling into the Zach Ertz where yeah you know, I can't break a tackle, but he's going to just rack up reception after reception. So you know under two reception, I mean like he if he's literally only running around on like twenty five a quarter of Ryan Tannehill's dropbacks. He then has to catch three passes on those said <laughs> dropbacks. So I just, a lot needs to work in Jeff Swain's favor. Jeff Swain, you know, the modern day Zach Ertz for him to go over this bet. So I'm going to go under two receptions on Jeff Swain.
0: Jeff Swain. If it was a one and a half, man, that'd be one thing, but
1: two. Well, that's what Ferguson is at. So it's like, okay, like, sure, I'll just go under on Jeff Swain then.
0: Yeah, I'll bet against a 30-year-old block first tight end. Call me, call me old fashioned, Andrew. Like those. Josh Allen over 48.5 rushing yards. Elijah Mitchell over 71.5 rushing yards. Aaron Jones under 48.5 rushing yards against the 49ers league best defense in yards before contact. A lot per carry. Jamar Chase over 72 and a half receiving yards. Joe Burrow over 265.5 passing yards. Ryan Tannehill under 235.5 passing yards. And Jeff Swain under two receptions. That last one's going to be our, you know, stamp approval. Be, PFF guarantee. <laughs> That's our gonna, guarantee. He's going
1: to catch the first pass of the game. I'm just going to be like, this can't be happening right now.
0: <laughs> if Jeff Swaim doesn't get more, if he, if he, excuse me, if he does get more than two receptions uh, this week, I'm not going to make any crazy promises, but I will not be happy, people. And uh, I will be betting on that one for sure, along with the rest of the group. Andrew, great stuff. As always, people can find your work on pff.com, on Twitter, at Andrew Erickson underscore. This week, you got your props up. You have your DFS cheat sheet out. And you savage you. You got your 2022 fantasy football rankings out. Quarterback, running back, wide receiver. I'm guessing tight end is on the way as well. Anything else you want to get off your chest, my friend?
1: Oh yeah. Just make sure you go check out the, the prop article. I usually try to update it on Friday with some of the newer props that come up on prize picks or underdog. So as news changes, we can get some more action in on those because a lot of the bets, honestly, if you look at that article now, it's like they've been bet up or bet down like Josh Allen's total yardage prop was at 295 and a half yards yesterday, you know, on Wednesday, it's up to like 330 now because (laughs) everyone was like, it was way too low. So, that's the advantage to just getting into the article early on like that's where I'm have an edge I think you know just looking at the lines they first come out you see the inefficient lines you jump on them and then you kind of back off you kind of let the market kind of dictate where they go from there so I think that's one edge and then you know make sure you check out the 2020 rankings with all through all the positions basically I go through my 2022 rankings and also reflect. A, a retrospective, I would say, <laughs> on the 2021 season and my hits and misses, basically, and kind of just work work through process. You know, why wasn't I, you know, you know, hitting home Cooper Cup more? You know, why, sh- why why was I not drafting more of Samuel? You know, why did I have Kenny Galladay ranked so high? Like, what was I possibly thinking? So kind of reviewing the mistakes I made along with some hits and trying to, you know, look ahead towards 2022 and take away the lessons and then put them into the new season. So, you know, I do not... As the tight end connoisseur that I am, I refuse to miss out on Dawson Knox breakout oh. again. So whoever it, the next Dawson Knox will be, I will not miss out on them because when you look back at it, Ian, it's it's crazy to think his ADP was like tight end 30, and he was an athletic tight end who had a decent amount. He ended last the the 2020 season, you know, pretty good in terms of routes run, and he played an offense with Josh Allen. And for some reason, it just, it just didn't like click with me that, wow, this guy like probably could be like a legitimate tight end and, I don't know how I missed it, but there were that's a why few we things.
0: Yeah, just to be fair, I'm I, I'm old enough to remember the August beat writer report saying that Jacob Hollister was going to like win the starting <laughs> job over Dawson. Oh Knox, God, the beat so.
1: reporters just absolutely destroying us.
0: That's why. Yeah. So I mean, even in like Dalton Schultz, man. I I, I love yeah. I love David Hellman. He does, I think he's one of the best beat writers in the game for the Cowboys. And Blake Jarman got hurt, which changed some things. But I remember, you know, even getting kind of having a Cowboys beat writer tell me in the freaking summer, like you're sleeping on Blake Jarwin. And it was the opposite, man. So even the guys most plugged in on the team can't always tell us exactly where things are going to be in the next few months. Do you have a lean right now? And why is it Cole Komet?
1: Yeah, no, he's, he's yeah, up it's there. Cole Komet. He, it's Cole Komet as the yeah. guy. Just, we just need the bears to get, We, we you know, a lot of my takeaways were honestly just like, just draft guys and good offenses. Like that's just like, when yeah. in doubt, just like, is the offense good? Okay. Draft this guy. Like, and, and the fact that maybe we don't weigh that enough when we look at projected volume and maybe we're looking at all oh, like the volume, the volume, the volume, but that's really more for running backs, you know, yeah. receivers and tight ends. Yes. Obviously you need volume to produce, but the efficiency really does help a lot, especially when you catch a bunch of touchdowns. Like, you know, you'll find it's much easier to produce when you're catching five or six <laughs> touchdowns a year. And maybe you don't have a, you know, 26% target share. You know, DJ more like DJ more would love to catch more touchdowns, man. <laughs> like, it's got a great target share, but unfortunately, it's just still, still not getting it done.
0: Maybe in 2022. Free DJ Moore, for the love of God, Carolina. For Andrew, I'm Ian. Thanks so much for tuning in to this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.